0: Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get stuck. And
1: if we'd hit those,
0: there would have been an explosion.
1: We would have died, obviously.
0: Scholarship should cultivate the virtues.
1: Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world?
0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, a junior at Santa Clara University. And today I am speaking with Joe Gopinath. She is a senior bioengineering student who is passionate about eco fashion design. Joe has designed dresses, wallets, jackets, and much more and after graduating, she will be attending grad school to get a PhD in textile engineering and fiber science, which sounds pretty cool. Jo spent a summer designing for a company in Bolivia through Global Fellows, and we discussed this life-changing experience on the show. I was really impressed with Jo's ability to connect the dots between her passions and global issues, and I think you'll be inspired to rethink the clothes you wear every day. In this conversation, we talk about Jo's daily schedule, her experience in Bolivia, why she got interested in eco-fashion design, and she has some really beautiful words on the importance of making new things out of old things, and how eco-fashion has really changed her life, helped her overcome some difficult struggles, and she has some great messages about empowerment and sustainability. One last update: Voices of Santa Clara has a new Twitter page, and you can follow at Voices of SCU on Twitter. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation, and Joe has a lot of great things to say. So here she is, Joe Gopinath. Yeah. So I'd love to start out um, just by asking a little bit about like the daily routine aspect, mm-hmm. right? So maybe. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a real day, right? But just a day that maybe encompasses some of your different, like, interests. Yeah,
1: pretty much every day is, um, it's not that it's the same, but I wake up every morning at 5.30, and I run, and then I lift. Um, It, I don't know, it just makes me happy waking up while the sun is waking up and doing Mm -hmm. something. So I'm very much a morning person. So I wake up early, and I work out. I've always been an athlete my whole life, so it's very central to me in a healthy way, expelling, you know, a lot of the stress that comes with being an engineering student. And then I, um, I go to class and I have a lot of jobs on campus actually. So, um, I actually run our ambassador staff in the school of engineering. So I'll go to work after class, um, handle my staff. Um, we do a lot of tours. So because of the new building, there's been a big shift. So I've been living at work recently and I'll go to labs. Um, I'm on our senior Bollywood dance team, so I've actually have practiced tonight. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly kind of running around. But I firmly believe, you know, if you're busy, you should be busy doing things that you love. Hmm. So it doesn't always feel like I'm fully busy. It just feels like I'm doing a lot of things I like to do, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been... Uh, it's, it's busy and people are always like, wow, you do so much. How are you not tired? Yeah, I'm tired, but mm-hmm. I actually enjoy what I'm doing. So you don't really feel tired until you hit your head on the pillow at the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. only to wake up and do it all over again. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what my day looks yeah, like. Yeah,
0: and, and how do you balance all of the, the classes and work with mm-hmm. more like creative projects?
1: Yeah, so balance is something I've, I'm continuing to work on because it's something that I'm going to have to be able to do throughout my whole life. So balance is something that has become part of the main set of goals that I've set for myself over the years. So with create creative time and more importantly, time for me, I'm not someone who takes enough time for me. So my new goal um, that has been since September is to schedule time for myself hmm. and show the love to myself that. I need to succeed in all the things that I do. So some of the ways I do that, besides just working out in the morning, um, I like to take myself on dates to coffee shops and read a book. And so I've been trying to read more. So that's one of the creative outlets. Um, When it came to, when I was doing more design, now that I've, you know, I was applying to grad school, so I haven't designed anything recently, but I would spend the weekend doing those. Um, I think it's important though, to, I, had a, I had a quarter where all I did was school. And when that wasn't going well, of course it wasn't going well because all I did was school. So I didn't have any sense of balance in my life to understand that putting all of my energy into one thing does not mean it's going to work out. In fact, it kind of means the opposite. So I started to slip in school majorly. And I was getting frustrated because that was all I was doing. Why wasn't I doing it well? And that's when I realized, you know, in order to succeed... At the things you want to succeed at it's important to have a little bit of everything in your life So you mm-hmm. can explore different parts of you. So I've always loved math and science That's why I'm an engineer, but there's other parts of me as well. Like you said creativity I'm a very active person too. I'm naturally curious. So I'm, I'm Try to make time to explore all those different sides of me. So I do each one of them to the fullest extent mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. so uh, whether it be you know, going for dinner with my friends, I like trying new things. So we'll go out to like a soul food place or a new bar. And um, that's always fun for me, meeting new people, seeing new experiences. But on the other hand, you know, having a support system that will help me do my homework is also very important mm-hmm. too. So I, I try, I think if I'm if I'm going to condense it into one answer, it would be Google Calendar is mm-hmm. how I, li- I literally schedule time to go out. Like if you look at my Friday nights on my calendar from like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., it'll be like, go out and have fun. So oh. <laughs> that's kind of how I I make sure I have balance. Yeah. Got to outsmart myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, And it, are there any ways you've maybe improved over the course of your college career at like managing stress or balancing all those different things? Because a lot of if you do a, you know, a survey of students at Santa Clara, I'm sure most of them will say they're stressed or anxious about something school related. So how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So just being fully transparent, I do have a lot of mental health struggles that I have struggled with for quite a long time. So it's important to be there for myself just as much as I am for others and my commitments. And so I realized really quickly, if I don't have energy to be there for others, then the real problem is the fact that I just don't have energy. I don't. I haven't been feeding the flame. I've been exhausting it. Um, it's like the. It's the analogy of the car. A car can drive forever once you fill up the gas, but then you got to fill up the gas again. So, who's gonna fill up the gas in my tank? And I realized I've got to be that person. So it was. It was when I went to Bolivia for Global Fellows that I realized my career is going to take me all sorts of places and. My support system, my mom, my sister, my good friends are not going to be there with me physically every step of the way. But who's going to be there? It's going to be me. So Mm -hmm. I need to be able to be my own biggest cheerleader. And um, I was actually having a really hard time with mental health, especially when I was the first two weeks I was in Bolivia. I slipped to a place I hadn't been in a while. And I realized I had come so far emotionally and physically to (laughs) not, you know, I'd. Flown all the way to Bolivia, but also I had worked so hard to get to a place of confidence, and um, I kind of turned it around. Started immersing myself in the community, in the city, and I really, um, I really made a point of making the most out of that experience. And that's, I think, that's what it was—the my mindset that changed totally. So my sophomore year, I was pretty stressed out. I had a lot of really hard classes, and then I went to Bolivia, and my mindset changed completely. And I realized my best is all I can do there's no point getting stressed over anything more because if I'm doing the max I can do, it's kind of unrealistic of me to expect any more out of me. So being patient with myself is something I still work on but that's how I've been trying to work on the anxiety and the stress Mm -hmm. and I will get panic attacks every so often. That's just kind of what happens and I will get overwhelmed but at the end of the day, all you can do is your best and all you can put out there is you. So you can't really expect any more out of yourself, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, of
1: course. (laughs) I'd love to
0: touch a little more on your time in Bolivia that you just mentioned. So kind of why were you there and what Uh were some of the highlights?
1: So uh, for Global Fellows, which is a program through the Levy School of Business, I was placed in Cochabamba in Bolivia, and I fell in love with that city. Uh, I, I speak French fluently. I've spoken French since I was a little kid. And I really wanted to go to Morocco um, because I could speak the language there. And it had a very similar program as the one in Bolivia. I worked for a fashion company in Bolivia, but they also had a similar fashion company in Morocco. Mm. And it made sense. I was like, you know, I speak the language in Morocco. Maybe I should be placed there. But I ended up getting placed in Bolivia. And, yes, I've grown up in California, so I understand Spanish to an extent, but I never spoke Spanish. I learned French in school. So... That was very, very nerve-wracking for me. In fact, I went in pretty scared, and I'm not someone who gets scared very easily. So I pretty much was in Bolivia for two months. I lived with a really cool host mom, but she's more of a sister. Um, I got to know her parents. Her parents tried to set me up with her brother. It was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, it was it was overall an incredible experience because, again, I realized In the rest of my life, there's always going to be people rooting for me, but I need to be the biggest cheerleader of them all. Like, i got to lead the pack. Otherwise, what am I really doing? I'm not really doing this this life I've been been given Mm. right. So uh, I started, I was designing for a company there called AHA Bolivia. So I designed my own line of eco-friendly accessories. And I just found out recently that one of the wallets I designed called the JoJo wallet Mm -hmm. named after me, is um do is one of their best sellers. So mm-hmm. that's pretty rewarding to hear. Another part of my project was to work on their World Fair Trade organization, um, They're meeting the meeting the World Fair Trade expectations, etc. So one of those jobs was to make sure their knitting co op is up to code, basically, up to the World Fair Trade Code. And so I basically spent mornings sitting with the tejedoras, the knitters. <laughs> the company and just asking them about what their mornings were like, were they getting breaks how much time it took for them to do everything so I learned a lot of Spanish pretty quick mm-hmm. I truly did, honestly that's probably one of my biggest accomplishments I'd say so far in my life was to pick up Spanish in two months mm-hmm. I mean Bolivian Spanish but Spanish nonetheless <laughs> in two months and I, I know a lot of words about knitting <laughs> in Spanish that I just don't know what I'm going to use but it changed the course of My career as well, because it Mm -hmm. made me realize I don't want to just design with these materials. I want to make those eco-friendly materials myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what propelled me to start looking into textile engineering and fiber science programs, Mm -hmm. which is what I'm doing for my master or for my PhD, not master's, my PhD. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, it, it changed not only my career, I think, but it changed me a lot too, because it made me see just how proud of myself I could be. And that was one of the ways that I commemorated my experience was I kept a pride journal. So every day I'd write down three things I was proud of. Mm -hmm. And even the smallest things. Just I used a different tense today in the market. And Mm -hmm. that was huge for me because, again, I was starting from nothing Mm -hmm. with Spanish. Or I tried a new fruit. Or today, you know, something that is, I'm proud of myself for going out of my comfort zone, Mm -hmm. something like that. So, I realized I have a lot to be proud of, and I have all these experiences that a lot of the world just won't be able to get. Like, I was living in another country at the age of 20. Like, that is a huge deal. And I had studied abroad in France the year prior. Um, And those are some things that I am very lucky to have gotten to experience. And so, that really changed the way I look at myself and I look at my interactions with others. So, that was the most important part of my Global Fellows experience, I think, was the fact that I learned. I've always been independent, but I learned just the extent of my independence, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Kind of getting at where your interest in eco-fashion started, mm-hmm. I read that your grandmother had a really big influence oh, yeah. on your life. So yeah, do you so, want to say something about that?
1: Yeah. So Indians are very family-oriented. I'm just going to put it like that. Uh, my grandma was born in Malaysia, and she was raised in Singapore. And she moved to India to marry my grandpa. And it's funny because at their wedding, their siblings met and fell in love and then moved back to Singapore. So I have family (laughs) in Singapore and in India. And she is just, I think I get a lot of my sass from her. (laughs) Uh, She's quite the spitfire. Uh, She's a lot like my mom. My mom is too. And I see a lot of my grandma and my mom. And I realize that I see a lot of my mom and me. And so by the transitive property, I guess I'm a lot like my grandma. But she is just five foot nothing, wispy silver hair. Like it's not even gray. It's silver. (laughs) And she's always got eyeliner on. Kajal, the Indian version of eyeliner. You wear it on your waterline. She somehow just permanently has it on. And her eyes are so beautiful. And they're always sparkling, especially when she sees chocolate (laughs) or dessert. They're always sparkling. And when she came to visit us She came often. Now she's pretty old. She's pushing 80 now. And she used to come visit us when I was younger. She used to use the sewing machine to sew clothes for my Barbie dolls. And I used to watch her. Like, first of all, the hum of a sewing machine is probably my favorite sound in the world. It's something that instantly calms me. And it just brings something out of me that fosters creativity but also calm. It's a very interesting feeling. But watching her sew... Um, you know, tying her sari behind her back. It's always bright red. She wears the brightest colors. And tying her hair back and um, and just sewing and creating something for me that started two-dimensional and then turned into something that just had its own shape. Like, it's almost, it was, wasn't even three-dimensional. Like, it was, uh, it was just, it was magic. Like, <laughs> and I grew up, my parents are both engineers, so I understand that there's a lot of things in this world that are created that have so much power. And, you know, I, I used to get excited the same way at the tech museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the same way to be like, oh, my God, electricity. Like I, I get excited very easily. But watching my grandma do that with something that wasn't math or science related, which is what my parents knew, it was, it was very interesting. And then next thing you know, I was like, oh, teach me how to sew. And she was like, okay, I'll teach you. So I, I learned just the basics, the stitches, and uh, creating little buttonholes, stuff like that. I would help her. I would design the outfits. I was always sketching uh, in my notebooks, in my math notebook. I'd do the math homework, of course, but I'd also be sketching. And... Then I started taking classes on my own, and I started doing eco-fashion. So I started turning old things into new. So Mm. not necessarily starting from scratch, which I think is creative in its own right, but taking things that had been forgotten for a while and turning them into something new and beautiful, Mm. which is kind of how I've taken approach to life, too. Mm. I think when you feel like something has grown old Or something is just too tiring to use anymore. We tend to throw it out, whether that be emotional or actual physical things. And I think there's something so powerful about turning something unused, forgotten into something brand new and something beautiful. And so I started to do that at a time that was really hard for me. And it was my creative outlet that made me feel like I was doing something productive. That made me feel like I had worth, I had value, I had talent. And so that really helped me turn around in a very dark time in my life. And it made me see just the amount of beautiful things I could create. And, you know, maybe if I create all these beautiful things, maybe I too am beautiful. You know, it was it was that kind of uh, almost looking in a mirror at what I create. Maybe it's a reflection of who I am as a person. So that, it provided a, a lifeline for quite a while. And then it turned into creativity when I started to, you know, really feel the effects of, what I was doing and and what I was creating and then when I went to Bolivia it was a great great jump in the career to actually be able to design for a fashion company and that's when I realized you know I have the unique understanding of not only knowing the final product the fashion it's going to be created in but I also have the science and math background to understand the technology that goes into creating fashion, especially these really cool materials that are mm-hmm. coming on the market, like eco-friendly or smart textiles, like that can measure heart rate and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And and I realize I'm the unique combination of these two extremes. And I would be remiss if I didn't shoot my shot at the middle route as my career. And it came also at a time that I realized I did not like the major I was in. Mm-hmm. I was a bioe, but I I don't like bio anymore. So <laughs> it was a very interesting time. I was floating for a really long time, and I was unhappy, to say the least. That's a huge understatement. I was, I was unhappy, and I felt like I wasn't having much academic purpose. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do until, as I mentioned, going to Bolivia and realizing that I don't want to just design with these materials. I want to make the materials themselves. And mm-hmm. that's when I started looking into programs for grad school, in textile engineering, fiber science, and and the like, mm-hmm. and I guess now I'm gonna do it. So, <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, out of out of these confusing moments, I think has now that I, yeah, wow, me just explaining this to you right now, I realize in some of my most confusing and hard moments, I've made decisions that have only made me stronger and made me realize what I want out of life. So. Yeah. I'm very thankful for the experiences I've gone after that have honestly all the experiences that I've gone after here at Santa Clara whether that be on campus with I'm, I'm a Hackworth fellow right now for the Marcula Center that's been teaching me so much or global fellows or study abroad every single one I've made a conscious effort to put myself out of my comfort zone because the only way you grow is when you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and if I'm not growing then I'm stagnant and I don't like the idea of not of not being the best version of myself. Hmm. And so that's that's kind of how I try to approach taking it back to the idea of daily life. Mm-hmm. If if I can end the day being proud of something I did or having shown myself love in some way, and I'm going to be real with you, I actually keep a journal and I write down how I show myself love every day and I realize mm-hmm. I'm pretty shitty at it. <laughs> and um, if I can end the day saying that I did something that made me proud of me, me, mm-hmm. then... I'm doing the right thing so yeah. that's kind of how I try to approach every opportunity I get and every person I meet and everything I do and it, hopefully you know that that turns things around makes me a happier more self-possessed woman mm-hmm. and I think it's working I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh that's that's just kind of my approach to every day yeah, yeah. That, that was a really long answer no that was awesome <laughs> I loved it I loved
0: it thank you yeah. I feel like to so many people, clothes are just like, you know, something you go to Target buy and Mm -hmm. then wear, right? And people don't really give much thought into the clothes they're wearing. So I guess, how do you see fashion or Mm -hmm. eco-fashion differently such that it's this, this huge part of your life?
1: Yeah, now there's two layers to that. The first thing is, as a woman, what you wear and how you feel in it is very much dictated by what society tells you you should look like. And that is something I have, in an attempt to be vague, struggled with for a really long time is accepting what I look like. But more importantly, I'm more than just what I look like. But at the root of it is you are judged based on your appearance. Like that's just honest. I'm a very honest person. That's just how the world works. You are judged based on what you look like. And why not use that to your advantage? Why not use it to show something about yourself? So the clothes I wear and, for example, the eco fashion – why not pick something that makes a statement? Mm-hmm. Not only makes you feel good, but does good too. Mm-hmm. And so when you're wearing pieces that have some kind of consciousness to it, that's that's what style is. Mm-hmm. Style is not so you know all these trends they come in and out of season like velvet. Ugh, I hated the fact that every winter girls be wearing velvet, and it's just like no, this was supposed to die in the 90s. <laughs> but but you know that's a trend. A trend comes and goes, but a mm-hmm. style a style stays because That is more permanent. It's the idea that you are wearing you. That's what style is. Hmm. It's not a trend. That's a huge difference. And so I believe that style is you being true to yourself, wearing what makes you feel good, wearing what does good to, being Hmm. conscious of where things come from. I spent a whole year not buying anything made in China. Needless Hmm. to say, I did not buy anything that year. My bank account was very happy about that. Hmm. But... um, Again, emphasizing the idea that if people are going to judge you by what you look like, let's use that as a platform. That means you're a canvas. Mm -hmm. You can be anything. You can say anything without even opening your mouth. Mm. So I think it's something so powerful to, again, whether it be eco-fashion, whether it be a feminist shirt, or even, honestly, I don't agree with the message, but the Make Make America Great Again hats, that's a perfect example of the fact that you are judged based on what you look like before you even open your mouth. And you can say so much by what you wear. Mm-hmm. And I was recently at the Women's March with a bunch of our STEMinist groups. I'm one of the um, collegiate board members for our SWE chapter, Society of Women Engineers. So we organized a bunch of the engineering ladies to go to the Women's March. And the signs people held up, the shirts people were wearing, all of those are ways to show what you believe in Without even having to open your mouth, and I mm-hmm. think there's something so powerful about the fact that you can be you without even having to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what fashion allows you to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, the eight dollars shirt at Forever Twenty One that is for sure going to disintegrate after three wears mm-hmm. might not be the best option for it. Mm-hmm. I do agree from just a eco fashion standpoint, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But I think the more global thing to realize is you have the choice to make a good decision about understanding where what you wear comes from Mm -hmm. and the kind of impact you have on many people's lives based on just like a t-shirt that you're wearing Mm -hmm. and I think that true style is being knowledgeable sustainable and being conscious more importantly Mm -hmm. of how your decisions and your actions affect others I Mm -hmm. think style then extends past just what you wear. I think it's just a state of being, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's, it's just a, it's a way to be, I think, to have that poise, to have that grace, to have that understanding. Mm -hmm. That's what I truly believe. It extends past fashion. Mm -hmm. It's just a way of thinking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the people I talked to for this podcast are doing very different things, whether that's more of like a business entrepreneurship or music or a student on campus. But I think, Everyone kind of, like, recognizes these these challenges in the mm-hmm. world, right? Whether that's climate change or, or mental health or yeah. really anything. And one of the things that's really cool for me is just how many different avenues there are to get mm-hmm. at, like, the same issue. Like, I never would have thought before that, like, fashion could be a way to combine kind of, like, empowerment and oh, yeah, sustainability. Yeah. So it's such a, like, I feel like people just never put those two pieces together and realize that... Like, yes, there are many separate challenges the world's facing, but mm-hmm. sometimes simple and unexpected things like oh, yeah. like fashion, for example, could could help with that. So, yeah. so I don't know. Do you have any and, thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: this is going to make me sound like a nerd. But in Thermo, um, we talk about things that are path-independent and path-dependent functions. And I truly believe that being a good, educated, conscious citizen is totally path independent. You can take so many routes to get there. Every single person who is a conscious, well-informed citizen of the world has taken invariably a different path than the next. But the fact is they all end up at the same level of understanding of how their actions affect others. I always love to pull science and math into like <laughs> advice that I give people. It's like it's yeah. like Le Chatelier's principle. No, but, but for real, I, I think there's... I think this also speaks to the fact that, you know, people are real quick to shit on the actions of others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People are real quick to be like, oh, what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. Or I know a better way to do this. Excuse me, that's not your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have every right to educate, but pontificating is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Like what I'm doing with my life, if it's working for me and it's not hurting your life... Mm-hmm. That is all I think we can give each other as humans. And I think the biggest part of all the issues out there that you said all the other people you're interviewing have addressed is we aren't respectful and kind to fellow human beings, whether that be immigration, um, climate change, which honestly it comes from a place of respect and kindness towards our earth and to each other just with the inequity there, uh, gender rights, trans rights, LGBTQ rights. All of those, it's just the baseline is just be respectful and kind towards another human being. It's not your place to tell someone, unless, you know, there's someone you care about very, very much. But it's not your place to tell a random human being that they who they are is wrong or what they are doing fundamentally is wrong. It's not your life. You don't get mm-hmm. to comment on it. Mm-hmm. So I think all we can do is be the best version of ourselves and be that good role model so other people come along with us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the other people you've interviewed have said a similar thing, but I really do believe when it comes to whether it be fashion or, you know, the fashion industry is probably the biggest offender, where they try to they give us an idea of what we should look like, what we should be like, what we should wear. At the end of the day, we don't all look like the Victoria's Secret runway models, so is that really what we're supposed to be looking like? No, we're beautiful because we're unique. The fact that I am one in eight billion means statistically i'm pretty damn unique Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think that's something so powerful about that is i get to be whoever the heck i want and i'll still be unique Mm -hmm. because there's only one of me and i think that at the root cause that's how we affect change is we realize our inherent unique power that just being one in eight billion brings us and we hopefully make choices that lift others up too to recognize their own Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'd love to wrap up with a couple shorter questions. Yeah, okay.
1: I'm going to answer short then.
0: (laughs) First of all, if you could give some advice to a first-year student Mm -hmm. coming into Santa Clara, what would you want to tell them?
1: Oh, gosh. I do this all the time on my tours, and all of the people who come on my tours tell me I'm very scary, but that's just because I'm honest. Honestly, what you come in thinking you want, it's not going to be what you end up wanting. Hmm. Like, I came in thinking I wanted one thing, thinking I was going to do X, Y, Z, thinking I was going to find X, Y, Z, and just, I, know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think expectations set you up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. But open-mindedness allows you to benefit from everything that comes your way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So just be open-minded and trust the process. Mm-hmm. It sounds so cliche, and I'm not a cliche person <laughs> at all, but mm-hmm. I truly believe it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if someone wanted to maybe purchase more eco-friendly clothes mm-hmm. without, you know, dedicating their whole life to it or right. spending all this time researching tons yeah. of little places. Are there any resources you would recommend?
1: Yeah. Um, my favorite brand right now is Girlfriend Collective. They make leggings out, and in my opinion, they're better than Lululemon, but, and and like even Nike leggings, but they make leggings out of recycled plastic bottles and recycled fishing nets. And they've been doing this really cool campaign where, they are actually propping up other eco-friendly brands, which I really like because it's really not a change if you're all competing with each other. The same thing can be said about diversity and really huge on diversity, especially being a female engineer of color. You're not all moving forward if someone's still left behind. So I think they're it's at girlfriend on Instagram, but they prop up other very uh, eco-friendly and and consciousness forward companies as Mm. well. So there's a, there's a lot out there. I mean, you can just Google brands and they will come up. I really Mm. like that there's a whole new movement starting
0: for Mm -hmm. those. Yeah. And finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like for you?
1: Honestly, I would drive back to the East Bay and I would see my mom and she would make me Indian food. And then we'd probably go shopping in the afternoon. And then I'd meet my friends In the evening, we'd have dinner or drinks, and then we'd watch a movie. I am such an antisocial extrovert, is something I realized. Like, I love people, but after all this work I've put into myself, I've realized that alone and lonely are so different. Hmm. They are nowhere near each other. Hmm. And I've gotten to a place where I realized that me, myself, and I is not at all a bad thing. And Hmm. so... I like to spend my time with the people I love, that's for sure. But I also like to spend my time with me, which is something I love, too. So (laughs) that's kind of my ideal Saturday. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I love it. I will just talk forever, (laughs)
1: though. That's my problem.
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can go to voicesofsantaclara.com to read a partial transcript of this episode, follow on Twitter at VoicesOfSCU, or leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. I'll see you next time.